Hi, this is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokozan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you. Good evening, good morning. So, the Dharma talk is titled, Ruin Your Insanity. And I'm just trying to talk, I, I basically talk about the same thing all the time. I just give it different titles. So it's the idea of we're all a little bit crazy, and this is a way that you can kind of ruin that, just a negative way of saying it. Just like if I were to say in a negative way, uh, don't not go to the website, wait for it, and don't not give to support this amazing mandala of sanity. We're working on it. So don't not do that. Don't not not do that. Is that better? No, I don't want to do that. This is called transcendental dyslexia, and I hope you all get a big dose of it. So the idea here is we're all crazy in some way. We're confused about this. We have conflicting emotions. The, the emotional area of the mind doesn't feel good about that and doesn't feel so good, but the thinking process thinks, oh, we really should be doing that. There's this, always this... Uh, uh, division and examination and exploration and ideas about what should we should do, what we shouldn't do, what we shouldn't be doing. And sometimes we even get help from other confused people. And you notice that the ones that are really want to give you advice are the most confused because they, they get rid of their own confusion by advising you quite often. Not, maybe not always. <sighs> crazy. So the idea here is to uh, let's see if we can't trash that, see if we can't find some way to go into the incredibly elaborate structure of ego and sanity and its, uh, its bulwarks, its, its um, safeties and its uh, stand-ins and ways of keeping your wisdom mind from awakening, from it's already awake. It just needs to be uncovered, even though it's called awakening. So let's, let's, let's ruin that, that whole plot, that whole conspiracy to keep somebody somewhere in control of everyone else. It's all over the place. It's in politics outrageously there and has been forever. <clears throat> so the way Simply put, you won't be surprised when I tell you this. Look at the craziness. And if your hand is moving slightly, or your elbow is moving up, or you're leaning back, or you're scratching your ear, you can't train your mind at that time. You will be, because the body-mind tend to, tend to split apart in order to deceive, in order to create some kind of deception. But if you hold very slip, very still, sit symmetrical, what you're doing is you're aligning your, you are aligning yourself with a natural um, equilibrium, equanimity of the mind. It's already that way. So if you sit and you receive, then there's no guarantee. It's not about merchandising or advertisements. 
but then there's a stronger possibility with your own karma, your own mind stream, all the things you've had to deal with in this lifetime, not to mention all the other lifetimes, that you've been covering up, covering up, covering up, covering up. Maybe not all the time, but quite often. Sit down and hold still and begin to look at the cover-ups. Begin to look at the way we, when something comes into our mind stream, that is whatever it is, but especially it's negative feelings, we want to stop it. We want to explain it. So stop it, aggression, explain it, passion. Or we want to just get rid of it, get out of there, make it stop, make it go away. So we could just distract ourselves. Maybe when we feel really bad, we, get, we go jogging all the time. Not wrong, go jogging. But if, if you're using that to cover up how you feel, because you feel better if you jog, again, it's not wrong. It's just that that's that much more time that you, you will have to come back into that craziness, that insanity, the conflicting emotions about the nature of your life, of your of how, what's happening to you and what's happening in your relationship, what's happening with your your community, your your family at the kitchen table. Has to be seen and it has to be seen completely thoroughly, consistently. So what we do is we train by looking at the issue of the problem, just like this uh, image only goes so far. And it, it isn't exactly this literal uh, dynamic, but it may help you to understand it if I say, um, if you have something that is, let's call it insanity, let's, let's say that it's an insanity in the body. Let's say it's a craziness in the body, sometimes called cancer, where things are out of whack and they just start to go nuts. Uh, might have to actually look at that as a surgeon would or as a medical person. Again, I say this only goes so far. It's not we're talking about where we are talking. I am talking about using a mundane example to say that you're going to have to actually look at the situation rather than try to cover it up because it's just going to fester, get worse, more than likely. So sitting practice of meditation, also studying the intellectual uh, aspect of the Dharma, the actual teachings themselves, the structures of concepts that are pointing at the, the nature of this uh, craziness, the nature of this confusion, the nature of believing in this illusion. So we have to do some of that. We have a, a support, uh, the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, using those uh, that is a, I guess you could call that an algorithm. It's a, a way of working with this, a, a structure that, that can address this uh, conflicting emotions about the nature of who you are and what this is. Believing that there's a solid being here or there, believing that the emotions that come up in your mind stream actually belong to someone. I can I can make it worse for you. Actually, I can tell you what belongs to you. Everything. Everything is yours. There isn't anything anywhere. So if you you're pretty foolish if you try to rob somebody, you're just taking something that already belongs to you. It's the disrespect that shows up. Disrespect for everything is in the place it needs to be right now. And so something that belongs to you might be in someone else's care. The interesting thing is that person also belongs to you. You're not separate from them. 
This is just a way of talking about it, not to particularly explain it to you, but to you, but help you um, not take anything for granted, to look deeply into the consciousness and into the way you or, or me or anyone, uh, something shows up and we do something with it. We close down on it, we open up to it, all kinds of manipulations going on. So the sitting practice of meditation, shikantaza, pretty much quite a bit throws a, a proverb, the proverbial monkey wrench into that structure of ego that's always grasping at this, rejecting that, judging this, evaluating that, sidestepping this, ignoring that or distracting from it, it because it, there's just too much awareness there. There's too much openness. There's too much sky. There's there's too there's so much sky that those clouds are completely uh, imminent. The clouds of the mind, the confusion, the conflicting emotions are there. You see them, and it is not comfortable. This is why the practice of sitting, sitting meditation is often called voluntary suffering. You're volunteering to sit down and look at the crap that runs around in your mind, the craziness, your own insanity. Conflicting emotions are insane. And this can show up in lots of ways. You can take that conflicting emotions and blame somebody for it. That's a good way to get to download it on somebody else, make it their fault. Like when you always makes it my fault, how she feels, don't you? Yeah. Do I do that to you? Don't lie. Say it. Oh, well, I can help you there. Of course I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't know about this. I've not gotten rid of anything. And you don't have to either. But you can also not let the insanity in your own mind take over and take charge. Some of that is dependently risen, risen in such a way that it never, it never will go away. It's, you could say, if you want to use the fancy words, it's your karma to experience this kind of a, a dread. Or depression. Depression is the negative emotion that arises that you can't blame anybody because you don't even know what it is. You just know that you feel terrible and there's no story to even turn to. You just don't feel good. Receive, receive whatever shows up. Receive. Don't don't convert what you what you're receiving into some kind of energy that you download or spill on someone else because it will give you a little bit of relief. And also, you can justify it because what did they do? They stepped on your foot, or they they. Said some said something or didn't live up to a particular agreement that they made. You all know what I'm talking about. So sitting practice of meditation, just the awareness practice. Even if we leave out the teaching itself, uh, the or the the teacher uh, and the teaching that everything is dependent on risen, nothing comes comes from its own side. It's an independent being, an ego that's untrue. But you need to see it. Studying that, studying that with other people who are also, hopefully, if they have the same teacher, that might help. I'm not saying people from different sanghas couldn't do that. 
uh, and, and when this started, this organization first started, I tried to do it that way. That's why our our uh, corporate name is uh, Sokukoji Buddhist Community. I was trying to bring other Buddhist groups together, but they, <laughs> I, I think they didn't like me being in charge or something, or do you know how that showed up? You were there. You, you thought you were in charge, but they thought you weren't. They, yeah, I thought I was going to kind of orchestrate, but they thought, um, I, huh? they thought otherwise. I like that. It's a very, very polite word. We have a recording of that session in 2007, I think. That'd be exciting to listen to that one time, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to hear it, but some people might really Interesting. Was anybody else here at that time? Just, just you, the only one, right? Communication, cooperation, collaboration. That's uh, that seems to be very necessary in any situation, whether it's the Dharma or whether it's your family. It has to be a lot of communication, a lot of listening, so that the cooperation and the collaboration can actually come about in a sane sort of way, rather than in some kind of warfare or all the other things that can happen. Let's have some questions. Jen Bowen, what happens differently when you blame Uno for how you feel and when I blame someone for how I feel? Bowen. I'm her teacher. It's that simple. We're also married, so that makes it even more complicated because all the cultural things come into play there, not only with her, but with me too. You have to deal with that. But what the primary situation is, I'm her Dharma teacher and have been for, I don't know, 30 years, something like that. So everything I do, this is not a justification. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But everything I do, everything the teacher does is a teaching if you're a student of that teacher. And that may sound like, well, that's a little suspicious. You know, that just sounds like the teacher's trying to have his own way and get everybody to just agree with him. No, I'm not. I would say, if you don't have a connection with this man, leave. Go find a true teacher for yourself. A true teacher is someone who teaches out of their, their realization, their understanding, or what they're seeing in front of them. If, if someone's just teaching out of a book, you might as well just read books. So I make no claims. You you let me know whether I'm a teacher or not. I'm teaching, I'm here, and I've been doing this for a long time, or quite a long time. So more, Jen? Jen Bowing. Um, I guess, I thought you said you you blame her for how you're feeling sometimes. Yes, I do. And I guess I'm wondering, so are you saying as her teacher, that blame is meant for her? Uh, I, I wouldn't parse it out too much. It's, it's very, it's very natural, very spontaneous. Um, it's much different if you're being blamed by someone, or if you're, if someone is blaming you that, um, that is functioning out of no reference point. 
other than and the only reference point there is is uh, the person who is still confused by the the nature of their mind still having conflicting feelings about the nature of whatever and just ha has no idea what's happening fundamentally they just know they're feeling like crap or they're feeling however so the feelings in this in this old man the feelings still come and go but there's no there's no one there that is, is experiencing no personality that is experiencing the feeling it's felt the emotion is felt that irritation doesn't really uh, show up in really intense anger not more than once every couple of days <laughs> michael that is not that funny it sure seemed funny So I, I'm, uh, I could say more about it, but I, if you, Jen, or anyone else can ask me very specific questions about this, don't hesitate to put, put me on the spot. I, I say often, come and get me. That's what I mean. If you can put me on the spot, if you're so clear about what I'm saying or doing, or you have questions that might reveal where I'm uh, maybe deceiving you or deceiving myself, or come and help, help me do that. that would, wouldn't that be a great teaching? If if Jen or anyone else here asked me a question that just made me look like a complete fool, that'd be a great teaching, wouldn't it? Come ahead. <laughs> Carl Bowing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, Carl. I, of all people, you might be able to do that. <laughs> Go ahead, Carl. You said on the cushion that if you lean to the left or scratch your ear or something like that, you're not at that moment able to truly receive, as I think how you said it. Something like that, yes. What about smaller movements, like eye movements particularly, or fiddling with your thumbs? Is there, you know, how small is too small, bowing? Uh, it, it gets, uh, when it gets down to eye blinks and... Uh, twiddling your thumbs or something like that those those will back off eventually if you just watch movement then eventually you start to notice the eye blinks and it's not about getting rid of all you can't get rid of breathing you can't get rid of the heart beating of those uh, automatic you could say movements but keep it as a minimal excuse me keep it as minimal as possible so that so that there's as much uh uh deliberate uh, balance equilibrium or what what have you hold very still sit very symmetrical and then watch the asymmetry of the mind but if you start moving around uh that's why i don't teach walking meditation um, i mean i practiced it and taught it for probably 30 years anyway but i don't anymore because i don't i don't think it's helpful i'm not saying it isn't a traditional thing and it goes back hundreds or thousands of years of course it is I just, from what I see, I, I just don't feel like it's necessary to do that. It's better to spend that same time in stillness, watching the movement, the flickering of thoughts of the mind coming and going, coming and going. Watch those and don't do anything with it. So that at some point, and I'll say this very literally, at some point, the allegiance to the thoughts, the belief that the thoughts or the emotions or the feelings, that those are somehow true and that's somehow you, the, the allegiance just changes. And it might do it like that, and it might do it very slowly over a period of years, where your allegiance becomes, you identify more with the consciousness and less with the things that arise in it. 
And then when the final realization is you see that that which arises in the space and the space itself, not separate. So you can't, you can't do that intellectually. Go ahead, sir. The, the ego seems to get as much entertainment out of, you know, moving a finger as it does getting up. I mean, it's, it's all the same to ego. It's all entertainment. It's all distraction. And by this, and at the same time, forcing the body not to move can be equally, equally uh, sort of entertaining. So my, I don't know if I have a question or what the question is. All right. I guess we're good then. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of a question. Sorry, bowing. Well, you don't have to apologize. It's fine. Yes, sir. James, I'm bowing. Is ruin your insanity pointing at a particular technique? Not particular, other than Chikantaza, sit down and watch the movement without adding, subtracting, or dividing. And of course, that's going to start out as being noticing how you can't stop evaluating things. You can't stop dividing. You can't stop shutting down. It's just, but that's getting the awareness closer to the actual functioning of the insanity. So it's watching how we're, this is, eventually you might even say, this is insane. What's happening in my mind? I'm sitting here and I'm having all these negative feelings and it's a beautiful day. I'm doing fine. I'm sitting still. And yet I'm churning up all kinds of crap so that I'll feel like somebody who has an axe to grind. Don't tell me you don't do that. Maybe you don't do it much, but you're going to do it some, more than likely. And if you stop doing that, you probably won't even show up here. You're going to show up here because something is not quite clear. You might be extremely clear in some ways. But the fundamental clarity is without without any personhood, any identity. It's clarity without someone. It's not separate from the fundamental thing or situation that you are clear about. What is ruining your insanity pointing at if the insanity still arises? Insanity may, but you see that it's insane. So therefore, you, you, you don't, you don't hook up your vocal cords. You don't hook up your musculature. You don't have a terrible twisted face that you're so sad about something or mad. So you, there's no outflows to it. There, there's an outflow in the mind, but that's not a problem because that's dependent origination. You actually are starting to be responsible, not as a self or an ego, but as consciousness only for that which arises in the mind called dependent origination or pratija samutpada in the form of your personal crap your who you are as an incarnation of a human being but the, the personhood that part of the consciousness that we call the seventh the part of the consciousness that has come together in a ball and is kind of paranoid and is looking out for everything else trying to get some things and stop other things taking one's own inventory, taking other people's inventory about everything. That is seen to be unreal. But Paratantra, the dependent, dependent nature is still coming and going and coming and going. But it's just like the sky is no longer concerned about the clouds. To someone who's confused, someone who is insane, uh, they need more sky. 
because the clouds are so many of them are bumping into each other and some are lightning clouds and some are sunlit clouds some are rain clouds some are are, are clouds of uh of uh what are those things that fly through the air and they, they look like grasshoppers but they're really big nobody's gonna help me with that Well, it's a cloud of bugs. That's it. Locust. That's right. The locusts come down and eat all the plants, and the and the and there's a story written about it, and the farmers all have a terrible time. It's a sad story. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> that smirk. It wasn't a smirk, was it? No, okay, good. Okay. Heather? Oh, darn. Susan Hirschfield was here and then she left. I had a really specific teaching just for her. She's gone now. Probably the phone rang. Further question? Yes, sir. Yes, Should we endeavor to have symmetry during a dharma talk or no. when listening to someone the only time we don't even do it with your mind the symmetry is the body mind are not two different things they tend to look separate quite a bit especially to someone who is insane or has having conflicting emotions about the nature of who they are and what they should do and what life is about conflict conflict and that might be a low level where you might not really know that person is conflicted but that person knows. So no, the symmetry is just with the body. Sit down, hold still. Sit very symmetrical in a very respectful posture in a, in a, a posture that is aligned as much as your body will allow. Some people are kind of cockeyed from the point of view of, of, of traditional symmetry, but it is their symmetry. Don't ever correct anyone's posture if you teach meditation. Don't do that. Be very, very respectful. You can tell them, set up as straight as you can. And then you can also ask them a question, how they're doing, if it looks like they're off. And they say, I'm fine. Respect that. Don't work with someone's spine. It's not your spine. It's theirs. The most important thing you can encourage if you're teaching meditation to someone is stillness. Hold very still without being rigid. And then if the impulse to move shows up and it's really strong, maybe you might need to move a little bit and just and then return to the stillness. And if you can maintain it for a little while without being macho, just hold still. Symmetry. And the, the idea there is, is doing that with the body. Eventually, the natural symmetry of the mind, when the warfare stops, the mind, it just completely uh, becomes completely balanced. Two arrows. But it, it will have to show up. It's not something you can produce. But you have something to say with a body, so sit, sit that way. And if you can sit that way for an hour, is that a chainsaw or a motorcycle? I mean, not, not that I need to know. I know it's noise. Sit symmetrical, and then watch the asymmetry of the mind in other words i don't like and i don't like this and here that thought is coming and i don't know why i keep being plagued by this 
that may not happen uh, forever, but it may happen for a few years in your particular version of of distress, your per, per, particular version of asymmetry of you know worrying about what your family is thinking, what they're doing, what are they thinking about what you're doing, and is, is what you're doing really valid? It feels you know I've been doing this for years and years, and you don't you feel more crazy than you ever felt, and that's the idea. It's the awareness of the insanity. That's why it's difficult because you have to be your own meditation teacher. You actually have to work with that yourself. But you can't just jump into it and be your own meditation teacher from the from the beginning. At least I don't think you can. Possible, but very unlikely because we believe our thoughts and we believe that we have thoughts of that we're doing something correctly or incorrectly. We'll, we'll start to adjust everything based on what we think. And if you have a teacher, the teaching person, if they're a true teacher, they won't let you do that, or at least they'll re recommend that you don't do that. My way of saying it is don't improve. Because the ego mind can build up some kind of a structure. It's just temporary. It will come apart, but it also uh, we're wasting years, wasting a lot of time trying to improve or noticing that you're getting better, that meditation is actually working. That's why I say, often say to people, don't, don't tell anybody to meditate. Don't force anybody into it. Don't su even suggest it. Uh, make them drag it out of you. Shazan, don't yawn when the teacher's talking. <laughs> On second thought, go ahead. You can yawn. Jishin, it better be good. It better be really clear and simple, right to the point, with no background noise, no motorcycles. Go ahead. Jishin Bowing. You said that your answers do not come from the uh, reference points. Where do they come from? Come from you. My responses come from the, the person who asked the question. Am I a reference point? Sure. You're, you're, you are a reference point, yes. Is it, is it the same as you are saying sometimes that the answer is in the question? Yeah, somewhat. I wouldn't get too philosophical about it, but a little bit. You ask a question, the uh, answer is already there. But it may be different. Three people can ask that question, and I might respond to it in, in three different ways, depending on who's asking that question and no i can't give an example of that i but i feel it thank you welcome thank you further questions can we or do we need to ruin desire no it's the demand desire is fine we uh desire uh Last night I desired, uh, we have a, an apple tree, and there's lots of apples, more this year than I've ever seen. It's, they were planted 18 years ago, just loaded with apples. And I thought, what did I think? Remember what I thought? Or did you think it? One of us was thinking about apple pie. Was that you? Was it me? Did I ask you to make apple pie? That's desire. It's okay. 
Milka bowing. Can we work with the desire in a way that ruins insanity? Yes, no demand. Have the desire, but no demand. Like I did not stomp my feet and demand that Uno make an apple pie. But did I tell you to make an apple pie? Or did you suggest it? I said we have apples in the freezer from last year's crop. <laughs> you mean those weren't fresh apples? Is that why they were so good? They were. It was. It was great. No sugar added, and they're they're not very not very uh, sweet apples either. Yeah. No demand. No demand for anything. You can have desire, but no demand. You, you can have uh, you can have anger, but no hatred. No hatred. You can be angry, cranky about stuff. Human being, human being, but you're sane. No demands. No blame. No blaming anybody. You're responsible for everything that arises in your mind stream, as a, as a as a living being, not as a uh, some kind of special ego. It's that ego area, that tightening down on that, as if you've been hurt by somebody or you've been. Somebody has made you mad. Go ahead. More. What's ruined? What ruins what? What ruins? For insanity? Seeing a desire and we see that we want to grasp at it. And let's say we don't. What what was ruined? Oh, the 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 aggression in the passion, the aggression to get your own way clamping down on it this starting to get weaker and weaker because your the energy there's just too much sky for, for that cloud to hide behind another cloud and and um, fake out uh, the consciousness in some way that i really have the right to demand this because look at this and this and this and this when the emotions are up here and then the emotions won't make it because they're it's too fluffy it's emotion but then lightning bolts come in that other kind of weather and clouds, the other kind of dynamic, uh, which is uh, basically uh, the structure of concepts or conceptual, and that can come in and validate, justify, justify that emotional dynamic just by intense cloud cover that is uh, full of electricity. More? Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any further questions here in the Zendo before I go to the screen? Okay, I'm not having any questions here in the Zendo. Everybody already knows everything. So, Susan, go ahead. Susan, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm having little technical issues here, so I'm sorry about that. Sorry. Um, when we look at oh uh, susan bowing yes. when we look at our um our thoughts um after a while they just seem to be don't know uh, anything about it. it seems like it ends up not knowing 
um, it loses its, its um, you know, its identity in a sense. Is that, is that, um, is, Did I lose her? I think, I, oh, there she is. There you are. Turn, turn on your microphone. Susan Bowing. Yes. So the more you look at, the more we look at thoughts, do they, um, they become the unknown, Bowing? Yes. Well, good question. The more you look at it, the, the, the less we know. And the more we see in any of the sense fields, in particular uh, sight, but also sound, eventually we don't know what anything is. It's, it's, uh, it's terrifying to ego and it's delightful to the wisdom mind, to prajna. It's very delightful. It's not exactly the the kind of uh, pleasure that comes through uh, through the conventional ideas of being entertained by something, like watching a really good movie. It's different than that. More, Susan. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there a further, further question? We have a few minutes. I have quite a few minutes if, if you want to take them. Jishin Bowing. What is the pleasure which wisdom has when we don't know Bowing? What is the pleasure we don't have when we don't know? You, you, you talked about wisdom mind having pleasure when no. we are not knowing. There's no demand. There, there's no demand for anything. If the pleasure shows up, fine. If it goes away, fine. If it turns on, on its side, fine. It, no matter what it does, no demand for anything. No requirement for anything. Uh, there's no, the, the, the thing that makes it difficult to talk about is in that kind of a dynamic of wisdom, or jnana, or jnana, or jnana, or prajna, or any of those the Sanskrit words that point to what wisdom is that there's no one who is wise, and there's, there is no wisdom, there is no object, and there's no, but consciousness is everywhere. There isn't a corner that consciousness isn't full of, or that isn't a corner, a corner that is not full of Consciousness, consciousness only. And even the corner itself is constructed of consciousness. You cannot find an end to it because it has no beginning. I'm generating words here out of what I'm looking at, not out of what I know. I don't know much. But if you ask a question and you, the more clear and concise your question, the more clear and concise my response will be to you. So I don't, I don't have a bucket of questions over here. And I never answer the same question exactly the same way, maybe close, but 
Not so. Everyone's different. Everyone I see is is different and, and wired in a different way, confused in a different way, and has a different way of relating to working with their with with their own wisdom mind. So please ask questions if you have them. And if you don't, we can also close. Thank you. Sanchu Bowing, is it important for us to understand what consciousness is? No. What does it look like to you right now? Um, my other question is what is consciousness? It's, sure. you know, well, so we don't really know. Uh, and the knowledge area is uh, you start to go that direction, we realize how little we know. And a lot of us just conjecture. And there are all kinds of books written on that situation. Um, and they, including in uh, um, Buddha Dharma, Buddha Dharma, not that I've read everything, but it seems to get closer to what is actually, uh, what that state is about, that state of affairs or that dynamic or that concept, that concept. But, but there, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow some kind of conceptual grasping relative materialistic knowledge to function there because its very nature is uh, unborn. So it's, it's, not, it's not a thing. It has no status as a thing. But a simple way of talking about it is to use the, like the sky. The sky is like consciousness and the clouds are like the thoughts and emotions that come and go. And they're like the people who are born and die and pass away. Everything arises in consciousness. This very room is arising in consciousness. This is an object in consciousness, and your body-mind complex is an objectification of consciousness. Augie Bowing? Augie, go ahead. Can, can we ever know how consciousness comes up with all this stuff, Bowing? I don't know. Probably not. But there's all kinds of ways that that kind of a relative question can be turned around where you might get something that would that would would show up in the direction of what you're asking in some kind of a relative way that would reflect what your question is so there's always seems to seems to be some way to come up with some kind of idea about anything no matter what it is if you can conceptualize it we can probably talk about it but is it the actual situation that's being talked about or is it some kind of substitute we call concepts like the con the one I often use is a, a you know a, a German chocolate cake or the recipe for the German chocolate cake. Augie Bowing, uh, we we say uh, consciousness never hasn't arisen. It could uh, is it similar to saying matter, time, space, matter have never arisen because we just can't conceive of how this universe of time, space, and matter ever started. So we could say, oh, it's never arisen. We can't imagine it ending, so it it never ceases. Is that a sense of how, what we say, how we say consciousness has never arisen and never ceases, bowing? Okay. Sounds good. So, Augie Bowing, so we could say that, but what could we say that we could we say, know, say anything more than that about consciousness? I'll tell you what. I'll, 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 let's ask uh, the other uh, chemical engineer here, uh, Chisho. What do you think, Chisho? 
Ishwaing, uh, at least the way I understand matter is manifested itself. That's a, re- that's a form. So I don't think that is similar to consciousness. At least I can't. Uh, for me, consciousness is like uh, our ability to cycle. You can't explain it. You can't describe it. You can't teach it. All you can say is encourage somebody and they start cycling. So for me, <laughs> uh, matter is very tangible. But How is that, Augie? I didn't get the part about matter self-creating itself. What was that again? What was that detail, Bowing? I didn't say it is self-creating. All I said was it is manifesting. And it goes away. Matter goes away as well. Uh, Whereas consciousness doesn't manifest. When he says it doesn't manifest, it's not even, yeah, it's not manifesting. Bye. Bowing, as far as I know, energy, matter are conserved. I haven't heard of any... uh, uh, whatever you said, uh, bowing. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, is there any other questions for Chisho? <laughs> I'm not going to give them anymore. Uh, you have a question? When you bowing, are demands dependently arisen? Yes. So when you say wisdom has no demands? Yes. How does that happen? Uh, because it is uh, it it is dependent origination, so it doesn't doesn't choose sides. It, it is completely respectful. It is the space in which the dependent origin in which things arise. But the other one, if you were going to go into that, the other one. Uh, what is it, Parikalpada? Imaginary nature uses the energy of dependent origination to have its own way and have its own pushing and pulling rather than the tree falling in, uh, over and uh, falling on a rock and making a loud noise. That's dependent origination. But the person who cuts the tree down, if there is someone cutting it down, then that's, uh, uh, that's getting closer to the imaginary nature. Someone's actually doing something to it. It's not exactly that, but it's closer. When you're bowing, and in that example, what would be the perfected nature? Uh, the, 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 the understanding of what that is, the entirety of it, the, the, the imaginary nature and the, and the, the, the um, dependently arisen, dependent on everything else, seem to be uh, completely unobstructed by anything, by passion, aggression, ignorance. No interference from anything. No, no, no orchestration of that. No one uh, having any picking and choosing going on around any of that. But isn't that what uh, Parikalpata is? What? Picking and choosing? Yes. Did I use the wrong word? No, just trying to find Parnishpana is the perfected seeing that that is, is exactly the way it needs to be. Not, not needs to be, it's the way that it is. It is that, as it is, as our soku, soku, soku ko ji, uh, immediate, or as it is, light, temple, the, the light of just this, as it is. 
nhé yes there's a question from youtube jethro bradley Ooh. jethro okay is it necessary to work on mental health issues first before embarking on this path or can one do both? I feel I need to do traditional work, but is this an excuse not to sit? Well, I think that's an excellent question, and I think I think I think it should be your uh, your choice, uh, Jethro. What you know, people we have three people who live here, either in the monastery or close to it. Two of them are fully ordained monks who are therapists, and I, although some areas of uh, Buddhism or meditation teachers don't recommend that. I think you may need that kind of help to work with basic difficulty in your mind stream. It's possible. But as far as is it better to this, I don't know. I would say since you asked the question, I would say you're probably in the best uh, position uh, to understand that for yourself. If you're already seeing a therapist, there's no nothing wrong with seeing a therapist and practicing meditation. I think that's possible to do that. The therapy tends to it tends to try to go in and fix or solve issues, but the, the therapists that are meditators tend to not do that. Maybe a little bit, but not as much. They're more more likely to just receive what what is happening with uh, their individual clients to to work with them, ha give them some company in their their spinning mind. So I don't know if I got to the question. I would say. But the way you ask the question, I would say that's up to you. Um, even if you, even if you were a student of mine, which you're not, but if you were, uh, I would still put that on you to decide that, rather than saying, "Oh no, you should just meditate." Not a good idea to tell somebody that. More. Goodbye. You say that. Uh our the, our clarity is in the, our confusion yes how is confusion clarity so it, it it won't be for a while but you just continue to look at it when the confusion conflicting thoughts about the nature of reality however you fancy way you want to say it and actually don't fight with it if, don't leave that and blame somebody even if it's even if the person or individual did actually stir that up in you, uh, if they did stir that up in you, then and you're uh, you're on this path and see that as a teaching. See it as a teaching and receive that. Receive that as a teaching. So by doing that, that way, there's clarity about the confusion. But if you, if one is just leaving the confusion to to blame somebody. Then you, you know you you're, you're misunderstanding the teaching, even though you're you're studying it all the time. You follow me? Is there a further question? So you you become clear about the confusion. Clarity about clarity is just is, is, it might seem that way eventually. It might look like clarity about clarity. One of the images for that is like water poured into water. But eventually, but but the first thing that happens, you have to look at the mud. The uh, image of the lotus is often used because it has the roots in the mud and in, in samsara in passion, aggression, and ignorance, but it's a lotus. So it, it grows out of that. That's why it's been used as a metaphor for realization. More. 
How, how can that process help us see that we are not a solid being? The, as you go along looking, here's the difficulty showing up in anybody's mind. It's difficulty showing up in Jethro's mind, anyone here or in my mind, here's the difficulty showing up. And what happens is the consciousness in a, a self-centered mind, a narcissistic, narcissistic mind, will push it, push it away because it doesn't like it. Or it will grasp at it and blame someone or explain it. Passion, passion. It's because of this, because of that. I would. This wouldn't be happening if this. If she hadn't done that, then this wouldn't. Then I wouldn't be having this feeling. Blame. What, what was the rest of the question? How does it help us see that we're not a solid being? So as you as you observe this turmoil in the mind, without adding to it, trying to stop it, without adding to it, trying to explain it or blame. And without adding to it, covering it up with some kind of a, of a, what, medications or something. Don't cover it up. And as you, when you, when the three poisons are no longer holding, holding four and holding two uh, uh, in your mind stream, because you just, because your priority is to see it, not to fix it, not to excuse it, not to cover it up. That you have to look an awful lot of that before that starts to slow down because you don't interfere with it. You don't get in there and manipulate your mind. You don't meddle with your mind. You respect your confusion. If you respect your confusion, you will respect other people's confusion instead of trying to fix them and, and get, get off on fixing people because you're so helpful and, and they're so confused and you help them a lot just by hanging out, giving, giving them hugs. I'm not saying you shouldn't give people hugs, perhaps, but look at your intention. Always look at the intention behind anything you say, do, or, or elaborate on more. So when we're looking at our confusion, we can see that we're not a solid self. Then how do we see that we're not separate? The idea there is eventually, over time, practice is by not joining in the fray and not rejecting it, not grasping, not rejecting, which is another kind of grasping. You're, you're creating something there because you're rejecting it, you're pushing on it, you give it a kind of relative reality that buys into, tunes into dependent origination, even though it's uh, imaginary. But it uses that same energy of dependent origination to continue to turn your own personal little cyclone. So don't do anything with it. And this is why we hold very still. The body follows mind, mind follows body. Can't find the mind, but you can find the body. Sit down, hold still, do it a lot. Watch what moves, watch what moves. And even watch the mind grasp at it or try to stop it, watch that too. And eventually what happens over time, and there's not a guarantee of this, but uh, to give you some kind of a descriptor so you have an idea of what why you would even do this by just holding your seat and watching eventually that which is observing that gets its identity from pushing gets its identity from pulling there's passion or aggression and passion passion aggression and gets its identity from shutting down passion aggression and ignorance but if you don't do anything with it but observe eventually the observer situation uh, you, you begin to realize that there's no one there. There is no being there. There is no one threatened. 
You don't have to protect a damn thing. You don't have to show up as some kind of a know-it-all. You don't have to, it doesn't matter if people think you're crazy or you're a simpleton. You're not out to gain favor or get a reputation for anything. So you're, that being said, you still may help people, support people. If, if you're a meditation teacher, then you may, may teach people to meditate with their permission. So the, it, it just uncovers itself. Uh, at some point, you're, you, you, don't, you won't even know it because there's nobody left to acknowledge that you've understood something. But you have. And you, one of the things you've understood is that you're no longer affected by knowledge. You no, lo- no longer care about what you know or what anyone knows because you know that this is, it's a transcendent path. It is beyond knowledge. But it doesn't abandon it. It doesn't abandon the 30 verses of Asubandhu, which is an incredible intellectual, structural um, process of using concepts to point at the fundamental nature of what we're dealing with, which is non-duality, not to think about, just think about non-duality. There's no self. The subject-object situation has collapsed. And the way it's talked about uh, there and in uh, Yogacara teachings is there's just perception. There's no perceiver. There's just perception. There's nothing perceived. There's just perception. So not something you can wrap your head around conceptually. But it can be spoken because Vasubandhu and other teachers teaching in different ways, firewood does not become ash, as Dogen said in the 13th century. Very similar way of using concepts or ideas to point something out. But then you have to see that. The final question. Very good. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sokuren, and I am one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokukoji.org. Thank you.